Hey everyone, thank you for checking out our podcast here at Victory Hill Church. Over the next few moments, our lead pastor, Aaron Begley, is going to share an impactful message with you from the Bible. We hope that it will encourage you to connect with God and connect with others. So I want to just take a few moments this morning to kind of wrap up this mini-series that we are in called The Hills That We Stand On. And what we're looking at is some of the values that we have as a church and as a community. You see, our mission statement here at Victory Hill is this. This is our mission statement, is that we are a community that exists to help people connect with God and connect with others through life-giving relationships. Like everything we do, we want people to connect in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Some people for the very first time, some of you have been connected to God, but you need to grow in your faith. You need to take steps to grow. We want to be that type of place that whether you're a new believer or you've been a believer for a very long time, that you're continually taking steps to go, God, I want to be in relationship with you. I want to know you. And so we're going to help people connect with God. Everything we do is going to run that theme. Is this going to help people build a relationship with Jesus Christ or grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ? We also want to help people connect in communities, to connect with others. And we believe that when we connect with God and we connect with others, through life-giving relationships, that both of those should be life-giving, that we are going to grow in our faith. And so this is our mission statement, but the hills that we stand on are kind of the values that we want to see everyone live out. Because what we see is this, is that we need to be moving in the same direction. And these values help create unity in the church. And when the church is unified, the church can accomplish so much more. And so what we said last week is this, is that we want to live these out. We want to model these values because they're a reflection of our heavenly father, that what we talk about as the hills that we stand on are simply reflections of who God is. And why that's so important is this, is I believe the world needs to see, hear, and experience the love of God. They need to see it. And so how is the world going to see God? How are they going to see this God that's invisible? They're going to see it through you. They're going to see it through me when we're living our lives to image and reflect the life of our Heavenly Father, that your life and my life should be a direct reflection of our Heavenly Father. So when we begin to live these values out, the community around us, your family members, your co-workers are going to begin to see Jesus. They also need to hear about it. And so that's why we tell you, we want you to invite people. We want you to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ, that he loves them, that he came to save them, and that they can have a relationship with them. Because the Bible says, how will they know if how will they know about this love if someone doesn't tell them? You and I are supposed to be telling them. So we're supposed to be imaging it. We're supposed to be telling them. And then I believe people need to experience it. That when people have an encounter with God, it changes them forever. And so our world needs this more than ever. Our world needs people who are a reflection of our heavenly father. And so last week I shared with you three of the hills that we stand on. Today I want to give you the last four. But surprise, there's a pop quiz. How many people hated pop quizzes in school? Like, right? You're like, yeah, I wasn't prepared for it. So let's see if you were here, if you can remember any of these. I just want to review them really quick. The hills we stand on. You got to say them though, okay? Fearless. There we go. Contagious. Devoted. 
man, good job. Hey, you all get an A plus and those that were cheating off your neighbor, you get an A plus too, apparently. So um, it doesn't matter here. But those are the first three values I wanna give you. Um, and we want you to live these out. Let them be a reflection of your heavenly father. I wanna give you four more hills that we stand on. Um, as, and then today we're gonna close in a moment of worship and in prayer together. The last four hills that we stand on, the first is this, if you are taking notes, it's authentic relationships. We wanna be a community. We wanna be a church that's built on authentic relationships. We say it this way, this is a home where you belong. We are a family and community pursuing life-giving relationships. This is a home. The key words in there is a home and a family. We want people to walk into this place and we want people to feel at home. There's just something about home. I mean, you, no matter how old you get, when you go back home, it brings memories. Hopefully when you go back home, there's just comfort and peace in that. Like I enjoy my trips back to Michigan. It just reminds me that I can be comfortable in these settings. And there's something valuable about a home. And we want this church to be a place where people really feel at home, that it's not just somewhere that you come on Sundays and it's just this formal thing, that this is a place that you're like, man, I'm comfortable here. Like I, I enjoy being around the people that are here, that I, I love the environment. I, I feel that like I'm a part of something because we want you not to only feel like it's a home, but we want you to feel like it's family. Like there, you can go to a lot of great churches, but I tell people all the time, the difference is when you get involved in that church and it's no longer just a place that you go, but it feels like a home and the people around you feel like family, that you're doing life with them. And so we want people to have authentic relationships. We want them to be real with one another because we know that relationships shape our faith. Think about it for a moment. When I ask people this question, this is what I usually get. How did you come to your faith in Christ? How did you end up with a relationship with Jesus Christ? And most of the time when I talk to people about faith and about developing their faith, they always talk to me about relationships. They'll tell me, well, you know, I met this girl and she, she told me about Jesus. And, and all of a sudden I gave this, this God thing a try. I mean, I'll hear people tell me about teachers that influenced their life. And they're like, man, I had this teacher in high school or in college and they were a follower of Jesus. And there was just something different about them. So I decided I would give faith a chance. I mean, I hear people talk about their coworkers. Like I had a coworker and I was in the middle of a crisis and, and I had this relationship with them and, and they had this strong faith. And all of a sudden I came to a faith relationship with Jesus Christ. When you think about your faith, there's going to be relationships that are involved that brought you to a right relationship with God because we believe that relationships shape our faith. For some of you as a grandparent, you're like, my grandma took me to church and that relationship helped me get on a journey to develop my faith. When I think about my story, that's exactly what I think about. I think about my parents who brought me up in a faith-filled home. And for some of you, that's your story. For others of you, if that's your story, be grateful for it because there's a lot of people that that's not their story. And they, and they kind of had to discover this thing on their own, but I was raised in a faith-filled home. But then when I think about my faith, I think, about a children's pastor who kind of took me under his wing and said, I'm gonna invest in you. I'm gonna make a difference. I'm gonna teach you about the things of God. I'm gonna give you the, empower you to do some ministry. I think about Sunday school teachers and, and school teachers that I had that invested into my life and, and encouraged me on to good works and to building my faith and speaking life into me. I think about pastors that, that invested into me and, and took me under their wing and, and, and discipled me and showed me how to really live out a life of faith. When you think about your life, 
life. It's the relationships that have shaped and formed your faith because this is the reason why that happens is God leverages relationships to impact and grow our faith. This is just how God does things. He's like, I'm gonna put people in your life that's going to shape and grow and impact your faith. And if that's how God grows and impacts our faith, then we need to be a community that is built on authentic relationships. We see this time and time again throughout the Bible in Proverbs 27, verse 17. It says this, as iron sharpens iron. So what happens? One person sharpens another. You see, sometimes we're like, oh, I don't need anybody. I don't don't need anybody. If you don't have somebody, you're not gonna be as sharp. You're not gonna be sharpened in your faith walk with Christ because there's not gonna be anybody there to stretch you, to challenge you. And so we need to be a community that's built on authentic relationships. Romans 12, verse nine and 10 says this, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love and honor one another above yourselves. All throughout the New Testament, we see this concept of one anothering, that that we need to be in relationships with people. And so we see over and over again how scripture talks about what we do with one another because this is gonna shape our faith. And so 94 times in the New Testament, we see statements about one another. 47 of them deal with instructions to the believers. And so if you're a follower of Christ, like 47 of them are directly talking to you. One third of them deal with people in the church about how to have unity with one another, how to be a home, how to be a family, how to have relationships and to get along and and to navigate those things. Another third of them instructs Christians to love one another, whether they're in the body of Christ or outside the body of Christ, that, that we need to be known by the love that we have for one another. And so time and time again, what we see throughout the Bible is that we need relationships. We need authentic, life giving relationships. We think we see things like this that we need to forgive one another. Another. We need to bear with one another, that we need to help carry each other's burdens. We need to encourage one another. We need to stimulate one another to good works and good deeds. And guess what? If you don't have authentic relationships with people, guess what? You're not going to be able to help carry someone's burdens. You're not going to get your burdens carried. You're not going to be able to forgive people like you need to forgive. You're not going to be stimulated to good works and the things that God has for you. And so we are, have a value here that we want to be authentic authentic in our relationships because we believe there's power in it. We see it in James 5 verse 16. It says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and it's effective. The Bible tells us that you can confess your sins to God and you will find forgiveness. But when you confess your sins to each other, you find healing. And I'm not talking about getting up on a stage and saying, hey, here's all of my mess and here's all of my sin. But you need to have some authentic relationships. You need to have somebody in your life that you're close to, that you can say, here's what's going on. Because the Bible says that when we confess our sins to each other, there's healing that takes place. You ask me, Aaron, why do we pray with each other at the end of service? Why do you open up an altar and give people that opportunity? Because guess what? The prayers of the righteous person is powerful. It's effective that sometimes we just need to help carry each other's burdens. You're going through something and you just need some encouragement. You need somebody else to stand up next to you and by faith believe that God can do what seems impossible in your life. And we're going to be that type of community, but we need to be those types of individuals. You see, this is the model that Jesus gave us. 
And so we're going to live it out. And so one of the ways that we're going to do that here at Victory Hill is through small groups. And I want to encourage you, and you've heard us talk about small groups, and, and we have some groups that are already meeting and that have been going on for several years now, but we're putting even more emphasis on it. And we want to encourage you to step into a group, step into a life-giving community so that you can build relationships and you can grow your faith. And so we right now, are, we're training some more leaders, some more group leaders to say, let's get more groups available. And so on April the 11th, we're going to have some more groups for people to sign up with. And on April 26th, we're going to be launching some small groups. And so I want to encourage you, take that step. Get in authentic relationships. Live out this value. Jesus modeled it. He had 12 people he invested into. He had authentic relationships with. Those 12 individuals grew in their faith. And guess what they did? They went and changed the world. We are better together. We are better in relationship. And so that is a hill that we stand on, authentic relationships. Would you give Jesus Christ an ovation of praise? Come on, we can do that. We can do that. Hey, the second value is elevated excellence. It's elevated excellence. And here's how we say it. Our lives are a direct reflection. We're made in the image of God. We're conformed to the image of God. This is what our goal is. We are a direct reflection of God's glory. So our every effort is towards the pursuit of his greatness. And so this is a value that we have here. We're gonna be excellent in everything that we do. Think about it. The very fact that God calls you to be an image bearer of Christ breeds the fact that we should strive for excellence. That God is excellence. We are supposed to image him. We too then should be excellent in all that we do. And so as a church, as a community, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to put our best effort into everything we do. We need to go, how can I do this better? How can I serve God better? How can I do this in my home better? How can I do things around the church better? Because God has called us to excellence. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 and 25, there's this passage of scripture that we read all the time, but I think there's a little part in there that we kind of skip over sometimes because it's really a call to excellence. He says, do you not know that in a race, all runners run, but only one gets the prize? I'm a competitive person. If you've been around me, you know this. You've heard this about me. I tell people, Jesus was a winner and so am I, okay? Um, you know, that's, that's, my, that's my goal. My son has gotten this way. We were at this um, event yesterday and we were doing a, a three-legged race and we got second place. And my son looked at me and said, dad, how do we get first place now? You know, and I'm like, that's my boy, that's my boy, you know? But like, but here's what it says, but only one gets the prize. So run in such a way as what? To get the prize. What does that mean? If I'm gonna run in such a way to get the prize, I need to do everything with excellence. Like I can't just show up and be like, hey, I'm here for the race. No, I gotta train. I gotta, I gotta put in the time. I gotta do the little things that are gonna make a difference when the race comes. And, and that's the same is true about us in the body of Christ. As believers and followers of Jesus, we need to do everything with excellence. We're running to get a prize. We're gonna run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They're gonna do their best. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Colossians 3.23 says this, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart. Put all of your spirit into it as working for the Lord and not for human masters. What's the call towards? It's a call towards excellence. We're going to be elevated excellence. Jesus modeled this. Not only are we image bearers of Christ, this is what people saw in the life of Jesus. In Mark chapter 7 verses 36 through 37, there's this passage of scripture and it's another passage you've probably glossed over or you've looked at the bigger story, but you miss a key part of it. Jesus goes and heals a 
deaf, a deaf person and a mute. So they can't, can't, uh, can't hear or speak. And Jesus heals them. And here's what he says at the end of it. He says, Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone about what he had done. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. And look at what they said about Jesus. He has done everything well. What's that mean? He's excellent. He's excellent in everything he does. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. As a church, as a body, as believers in Jesus Christ, I think we should be the most excellent in everything that we do. I think we need to put all of our heart, energy, time, resources into things. This is kingdom matters. This is about showing the world who Jesus Christ is. Let's not fall short of that. Let's serve the best ways that we can. Let's love our families the best way that we can. Let's love our community the best way. Let's pursue his greatness together. It's elevated excellence. Everything we do, we want to do it with excellence. It does not mean you're going to be perfect. Um, I'm just telling you, it does not mean that you're going to be perfect. But man, sometimes the difference between excellence and doing something halfway is that you just see something and you go, I'm not going to do that. I'm too tired. I, I, I'm not going to do that. And can I tell you, if you're a business owner, you want your employees to show up with what? Excellence. You know what we need to do as bodies of believers and Christians is when we go to work every day, we need to go with excellence. Man, I'm going to be the very best that I can be today because I'm not just working for you as a human master. I'm working for the Lord. And when we do that, you know what I think they'll start saying is, man, those Christians, man, they do everything with excellence. They do everything well. And I think the church should be one of the most well-run, well-established groups in the, in the community because then people go, man, they do it with excellence. You know what we do? We want to do it with excellence. When people talk about Connection West, we want it to be excellence. We want them to go, man, there's a group of people there that don't just do it halfway. They go all the way. They don't leave it short. It doesn't leave it a mess. We pick up things. We're going to be the very best that we can. And so we want a value. We want a hill that we stand on to always be elevated excellence. And I believe that we can do it together. We want to be known for that in this community. The third thing is this, and I'm going to go quick. I'm almost out of time. Extreme generosity. We recognize that everything is given to us by God. So we are generous in our giving of our time, resources, and finances to see the world changed by the love of God. And so there's two things. Everything is given to us by God. We want to see our world change. Everything is given to us by God. We want to see our world change. It's a mindset. And the mindset is this. Are you an owner or are you a steward? How do you see everything that you have? Are you an owner of it or are you a steward of it? Because there's a big difference between the two. Landon is seven years old. And what I found out, you know, we've started giving him some money or he'll get birthday money and he'll go to the store and he'll buy something. If he buys a toy, you know what he says about it? He says that toy is mine. And if that toy is his, he doesn't want to share it with his brother. He's like, his brother would be like, hey, can I play? No, that's my toy. Why? Because he thinks in that moment that he is a owner. But when I give something to my son and go, hey, you can have this for a little while, then he begins to understand that he's a steward. And when I say, hey, it's time for your brother to have that, he goes, okay, you can have it now because he doesn't think that it's his to possess. Can I tell you something? How do you view everything that you have? Is it yours? Because if you think you're an owner of it, guess what? You will not be extreme in your generosity. You will not be extreme in your time, your talents, your resources, because you're going to think everything is yours and that you are the owner of it. But man, if you decide that you are a steward, that everything you have comes from above, then guess what? You're going to be generous with it because you're like, it's not mine in the first place. I'm going to give it away. I'm going to give back to other people. Extreme generosity. There's a passage of scripture in the book of Philippians. And it's a passage of scripture that we quote a lot in the body of Christ, 
but I'm not sure we understand the context of it. It says this, it says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So this is the apostle Paul writing this. And he says, and my God shall supply all your needs. And so he's talking to a church in Philippi. He says, okay, God is gonna supply your needs. And we believe that God is Jehovah Jireh, that God is gonna show up, that God is faithful to give and to take care of his people. Like I, I believe that with all my heart. But what we miss in this story is we like to quote Philippians 4.19, but what, his, what he's writing to people about is this, is the church in Philippi had taken care of Paul. They, they had sent resources to him. They had made sure that his needs were taken care of. And now Paul says, I'm gonna pray over you that God will now supply all your needs. Now that you have been generous to me, I believe God is gonna supply all your needs. Like the church in Philippi showed extreme generosity because they decided that they were stewards. They weren't owners of things. And Paul said, you know what? Now you've opened up the possibility for God to supply everything else that you need. It's the principle of reaping and sowing. What you sow, you will reap. And if you're not sowing anything, you're not going to reap anything. How do you see life? Extreme generosity is gonna be about a view. It's gonna be about your mindset. Are you an owner or are you a steward? Psalms 24 verse one says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, everything. Like not just some, everything in it, it's God's. He owns it all. Your life, your finances, your time, your talents, your resources. How do you see your life? Is it yours? Are you an owner or are you a steward? How, how, how do you view it? Do you view that everything comes from God? That everything is a gift from God? I mean, a lot of you probably opened your bank accounts this week and what did you have sitting in it? Maybe some stimulus money or you're waiting for that stimulus money. And there's a view that you can have on that money. You can either see that as, man, man, the government gave me some money or wow, God blessed me and he poured a resource into my life. See, I choose to say, hey, everything I have is a resource that God has poured into my life. And so God, I'm gonna live my life open-handed. Whatever you put in, God, I'm gonna let it flow back out. God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it back to you. And maybe some of you are like, well, I don't think we should have stimulus money. Then just give it all to the church. That's fine. If you don't think you should have it, just sign it all over, okay? I mean, that works, okay? Just be extreme with it then, okay? However you want to do it, that's fine. Because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who own it. Jesus modeled this type of life. We want to reflect the image of Christ. What does he say in John 15 verse 13? It says, greater love has no one than this. Look at the extreme generosity that he laid down one's life for his friends. He has been extreme to each and every one of us. God's extreme love gave of his one and only son, the most valuable possession he ever had. And he decided that even with the life of his own son, that God, he was gonna be a steward. He says, I'll, I'll give up my life as a ransom for many because no greater love has anyone than this, that he laid down his life for his friend. God loves you. And somebody in this room, maybe you just need to hear that again. God loves you just as you are. He died for your sins. He wants to be in a relationship with you. He was extreme in his generosity towards you. And when you get that relationship, relationship right, right with God. And all of a sudden you can begin to reflect his image. You just begin to go, God, I'm going to be extreme with all those that are around me. God, I'm going to give and give and give. I'm going to give them my time, my talent, my resources, because there is no other way to reflect your image than to be the same way that you are. And can I tell you something as a church, we're going to continue to be extreme in our generosity. We want to be known in this community for the extreme generosity we have. You see, our church is actually coming up. Many of you may not know this, but in um, January of this next year, our church will have been uh, established for a hundred years in this community. Can you believe that? That's a hundred years. You need to give God praise for that right there. That's absolutely amazing. 
But man, I believe the best is still yet to come and the impact we're gonna make is even greater in this community than the last hundred years. It's gonna start though as we continue to be extreme in our generosity. We say we're here to bless those that are around us. And the fourth value, the fourth hill that we stand on is this, it's extravagant worship. We identify the significance of showing God genuine worship, experiencing the greatness of his presence. That's what we wanna be. And I've talked about this for a couple of times, so I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on it. We're gonna be extravagant in our worship. What does that mean, Aaron? Every part of our life is gonna glorify the life of our heavenly father. Like every part of it. And so he said in Luke 10, verse 27, they came to him and they said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment of all? And he said to him, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And it was a picture of what it looks like to be extravagant in our worship. What does that look like? It's, it's all my heart and soul that's expressing my affection to God. It's, it's singing out, declaring his greatness, surrendering every part of myself to him, kneeling in his presence, loving on God, telling him how awesome he is. That's with all my heart and all my soul. But I'm also gonna love him with all my strength. What's my strength? It's the resources that I have. It's the talents that he's placed in my life. It's the abilities that he's given me. God, I'm gonna be extravagant in my worship. God, I'm gonna love you with all my strength. And he says, love you with all my mind. I'm gonna focus my attention on him. He's gonna consume my thoughts. God's not an afterthought. He's not the second thought of my day. He's not, if I have some extra time, God, I'm gonna love you with all my mind. God, I'm thinking about you. And we're gonna be that type of community. We're gonna be that type of church. I want you to be those types of individuals that are extravagant in your worship because worship is not just a few songs that you sing on Sunday. That can be part of it. It's a moment to express your affection to God. And that's why I hope as a community, as a body of believer, we're passionate about that when we walk into this place. That It's not just something else we do, but man, it's my opportunity to give my life once again to God to say, here I am, here's all of me. I give my life, I lay it down at the altar. God, I surrender my life once again to you. You say, Aaron, am I supposed to do that every week? Do it every week. Worship God. Give everything to him. Be extravagant in it. But it's also a lifestyle. It's, it's living it every single day. My, my time, my resources, my, my affection, my heart, and going, God, I want my whole life to revolve around you. And that's extravagant in worship. We want to be those types of people and we want to reflect that because that's what our heavenly father would do. And so I challenge you as a church, I believe our best days are ahead of us. Like I, when I celebrate those numbers that we have from this last year, like I'm like, man, that's awesome. Let's celebrate them. But man, God, I believe you have something else in store for us, God. God, there's even greater things that is to come. Like, God, I celebrate we've been around for a hundred years, but man, I'm telling you, man, this, we haven't seen anything yet. Like there's so much more that God wants to do. And I believe the next hundred years are gonna be greater than the past hundred years and that we can really make a change in this city. And so I get fired up about it, church. But you know what it's gonna take? It's gonna take all of us moving our lives to be a reflection of our heavenly father to say, you know what? We're gonna be these types of people. We're not gonna be perfect, but man, we're gonna try to do this in every part of our lives. And so here's the seven hills that we stand on as a church. It's, say them out loud with me. It's fearless faith. It's contagious joy, overflowing. It's devoted servanthood. It's authentic relationships. It's elevated excellence. It's extreme generosity and it's extravagant worship. Can we be those types of people? Can you move your life in that direction? Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? Church, the best is yet to come when we walk together in unity and one accord and we say, you know what, God, help us to be those types of people. Help my life. 
to reflect yours. And if we'll do that, all things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. I have that type of faith, church. All things are possible with God. All things. So we're gonna pursue him. We're gonna move together. We're gonna ask God to show up in miraculous ways. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here today and maybe for you, your very first step is maybe you've walked into this place and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We wanna help you connect with God. And the very first place you start is to say, God, I give you all my life. I surrender everything to you. So maybe you're in person or online watching today. You say, Aaron, I need a right relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand? I'm not gonna embarrass you, but I want you to make sure that you're taking that step. I wanna make sure your heart's right. Amen. Amen. So now if your heart is right, then it's about going, okay, God, let me grow in my faith. Let me be a reflection of you. So I wanna pray over you right now. And maybe there's some of those areas that you go, Aaron, I'm struggling in. Maybe it's some area of faith or joy or servanthood, relationships, being authentic and real with people. Maybe it's an extreme generosity. Whatever it may be, are you willing to say, God, maybe it's in your worship to God, but are you willing to allow God to just kind of show you that today? And are you willing to pour it back out to him? So dear Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I just ask that you move. God, we're just, I just wanna give you space, God, over the next few moments to speak to us. Because God, you love us as your children, God. And God, you're not a God that's far or distant. You are a God that's close to us, Lord. And so God, I believe right now, God, that you wanna just speak into us, that you wanna encourage us, that you wanna strengthen us. And God, I pray, Lord, that our lives would be that reflection of you, our Heavenly Father. God, I pray, Lord, that we would make, Father, Lord, a great impact, Lord, in this community and the city as we become your hands and feet, that God, that we would be the very people that help people to see, hear, and experience the love of Jesus Christ. Because God, that's the mission you've set each and every one of us up on. And so God, we give you all of our lives today. God, not just part of it, God, we give it all to you today. And so God, speak to us today. Challenge us and change us by the power of your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope this message helped you to connect with God and connect with others. Be sure to click the subscribe button to stay up to date with new messages each and every week. For more information about our church or for an opportunity to give to this ministry, simply go to victoryhill.org. Thank you, and we hope you have an amazing week.